This Wellness Coach Podcast is brought to you by the Wellness... Redo, for crying out loud, don't tell them all of our secrets. There's a very special announcement coming up, folks. Go to the Facebook page, go to Instagram at the Wellness Couch, or better yet, go to thewellnesscouch.com, enter your email address to sign up for the very special announcement which is coming. Ah, you're killing me, Marcus. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast. Holy moly, we are on episode 17. It's so exciting. I am loving being your podcast host and Oh, I just love having these conversations with the industry's thought leaders as well as just everyday normal people who have reclaimed their health just by getting back to the foods that we evolved and thrive on as a species. I'm really hoping that these interviews are inspiring you as much as they're inspiring me. My message is quite simply just to let people know that they're not on their own in their health journey and that they can reclaim their health. So it's hugely exciting, very empowering. Stay tuned um, for more Totally Wicked episodes. Today I'm interviewing Jeremy Princey, the holistic lifestyler. Um, In this episode, Jeremy gives us 11 billion gut health actionable tips. You're going to love this one. Everyone knows that um, good health begins in the gut, And that's what we really need to be looking after. And Jeremy will tell us how. So can't wait to get into the episode today. Now, this week saw my first ever Primalista Baking franchise demo. Now, normally when I do, I've done little webinars about the Primalista Baking franchise before. And to be honest, I've got about, you know, about 25 people sign up to check it out, which is really cool. And usually one or two people will sign up after they've um, watched the webinar, which is like even cooler. But this time I've had 150 potential primalistas to date sign up to check out this baking demo, which I'm doing tomorrow, which is simply mind blowing. Holy moly. So grateful to all of you who have signed up who want to find out more. Most people that I've been connecting with have been chatting to a lot of potential primalistas lately and they're saying amazing things like, you know, I really wanted to do something with whole food and really like serve the paleo community or they say, I'm working in a job, I don't really like it, I feel like it's time that I focus on something I want to do. I love baking, I want to work from home and just by magic – your your advert or you popped on my Instagram or you popped on my Facebook and I really think there's no coincidence with things like that, do you? I just think that um, things just all fall into place and all of the primalistas that have signed up have all had a similar experience of 
you know, things falling into place. I'm thinking, oh, this looks good. I'm a bit nervous whether I can do it or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. We have a, a word called terrified, where you feel terrified and excited at the same time. And that's actually a prerequisite before you sign up, because if you're not excited, it's probably not right for you. So you've got to feel really excited and a bit scared. And if you feel like that, then come and join us. So please head to www.primalalternative.com. That's our website. On the front page of the website, there is three buttons. One, to find your nearest stockist. That's like the biggest question we get asked. The second one is says, become a producer. And that'll tell you everything you need to know about becoming a primalista. tell you how much primalista FAQs a lot. And then there's also a button for health coaching with me. If you want to try my 21-day challenge, that's now on demand. You don't have to wait um, for me to do a live live round, which I've been doing every season so far. I'm not sure if I'll be able to keep that pace up next year with the busyness of the of the baking franchise and the way that's going in gangbusters. Uh, but you can do it whenever you want. So if you, there's still time before Christmas to have a little reset, just really recharge your batteries before you head into the festive season. So please check it out and over now to my interview with Jeremy. Jeremy is a registered chiropractor with a postgraduate training in sports chiropractic and international sports. He has worked alongside professional athletes, both nationally and internationally, including the Major League Baseball in America and the West Australian Cricket Association locally. Inspired by Paul Check's teachings, Jeremy has studied the Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Program, and completed his Level 2 with Paul. Jeremy started his own branding, Holistic Lifestyler, manages a chiropractic clinic, as well as consulting with, cli- with clients nationally via correspondence, primarily focusing on restoring the gut microbiota. Jeremy teaches fermenting workshops nationally, has his own line of certified organic and fair wear clothing, and is in the process of writing a book on fermented food and gut health, and is about to release his own food-based product line, which is geared towards gut health. If that wasn't enough, Jeremy has worked as a consultant for many companies, including a probiotic cleaning company as the media spokesperson, as well as the content writer and guest presenter for Pete Evans' PaleoWay program. Jeremy is involved in speaking engagements on the topic of gut health microbiome, and fermented foods. His vision is to reconnect food, farming, fitness, and healing into one holistic model of health that supports, honors, and respects Mother Earth. Wow. (laughs) Welcome, Jeremy. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Helen. A bit bit of an introduction there, isn't it? Yeah, so it's always interesting hearing your own bio being uh, being read out. Yeah, <laughs> well, well done. And, and, does, and, and I guess it, I guess it does sort of. We, I guess as as humans, we kind of do get caught up on you know the things that we want to do and what we're striving for. And sometimes you do, you know, it's kind of good to reflect back and just see you know what you've actually achieved in life and where you where you're heading, and um, you know, just put it into perspective a little bit. I think. Yes. Yeah. It's so true. Hey, we we set these goals for ourselves, and then we. You know, we might give ourselves a quick high five before we move on to the next one. So, yes, it is nice to to have your you know life's work summarised in a short bio like that. And what what amazing things you've achieved already. So, well done. Oh, well, thank you. So, before we jump into the juicy interview, 
I would like to start with finding out what you had for breakfast. Okay, so the <laughs> breakfast this morning was um, some leftover chicken that we cooked the day before, um, which was just in a bunch of herbs and spices, um, kind of like a, I guess a bit like a butter chicken with coconut oil. Um, and I think, what did I do? I, so I heated that with, I just put, I put some fresh greens in with it as well. So I think, what did I put? Some kale and some silver beet and some squash. And that was, that was breakfast today. And delicious. I, th- I thought you said you put fresh greens in. I was like, oh, no, I've got the wrong guy on the podcast. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but fresh, fresh greens. Yeah. Fresh greens, fresh greens. That's awesome. That's awesome. So obviously you haven't always eaten like this, Jeremy. So I'd love you to, if you could take us back in time and tell us a little bit about how you found paleo. Sure. Um, well, yes, it's true. I haven't always eaten like this. I guess I was sort of blessed and fortunate to have a, a, um, an upbringing where we, where we were sort of more whole foods focused and cooking. My parents sort of cooked from scratch and coming from an Italian background, you know, it was sort of that no waste philosophy, sort of nose to tail eating, which, you know, as a child I didn't really like, mm-hmm. you know, eating sort of doing the, doing the pig sausage days where you're, you know, eating the trotters and ears and everything else. In fact, actually... Um, growing up, I sort of felt a little bit of an outcast, really, in Australia, doing all those sort of Italian traditions and tomato sauces and all that sort of stuff. But ironically, now, like I, you know, I embrace all that and love it, and realise, you know, how much of a cultural um, upbringing I did have. But you know, we certainly didn't eat paleo, so we were subject to these modern Western foods. And um, and the turning point, I guess, for me, where I, where I guess I where I came across paleo, I wouldn't say I followed paleo strictly now. I, I do deviate um, since I've done more work with the, the whole gut the gut realm. So we, I am playing around a little bit more with some of the more um, more of the fibre foods and some of the legumes um, to some degree without going stupid with it. But um, the turning point was when I – actually, when I finished university, um, we I got quite ill with a systemic bac- bacterial infection. So I was on antibiotics for about – um, it was about a month that knocked me around quite badly. I was sort of pretty well bedridden, and that was just pretty much from the the trauma, I suppose, of the final year of our clinical studies. Where it's just such an intense year, and you get these clinic exit exams where you know you feel like there's all this pressure, and you it, it's it's quite a quite a challenging task, and a high failure rate through the through that exam, and people doing resit. So there was a lot of pressure, and we you know we I I. I set quite high standards for myself and, you know, always, I've always wanted to sort of achieve and, and, um, and sort of be the best where I can. And so I did, I did study a lot. So I compromised my sleep um, quite significantly back then and um, studied quite hard. And at the end of the year, it just sort of paid its toll. And I um, pretty much, yeah, I got quite ill with that systemic bacterial infection. And um, so I came across, I went to a wellness night um, just after I came off the antibiotics after about four weeks or whatever it was, just out of, out of sheer coincidence or <laughs> serendipitous year or something mm-hmm. like that, whatever you want to call it, um, it was run by a, 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 one of Paul Check's students. He was a holistic lifestyle coach or he's a holistic lifestyle coach. And um, one of my friends dragged me along and I went along and had, had a listen to what this guy had to say. 
um, it was just a private little event at his house and he, I sort of took a look at this guy and I was like, I took on, I, I just, I was just like, I was, I was quite in awe of how he looked and you know, his physical body, how he presented himself, how he smelled and looked and it was just a picture of health and, and you know, to this day still up there with, you know, one of the healthiest people I've witnessed in, you know, in the flesh. And um, so I was sort of, at first I was just sort of taken back but then I was like, okay, well, whatever this guy has to say, I'll, I'll take it on board and I will, I will listen. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that I've sort of carried through as, as a bit of a philosophy now is, you know, when you're taking health advice from people, you, you know, it sort of pays to, you know, you, you kind of expect them to look the part. So, but anyway, so I took, took it on what he had to say. And one, he didn't, he wasn't preaching paleo, but he was promoting um, Paul Check's work, which is, sort of in the paleo realm, sort of with a bit of overlap of West, Western A. Price Foundation. Mm. So really just the, the, whole food, the whole food mentality. He was very, very strict and big on um, organic. Um, so for me, it was quite challenging to hear it all because it, it did really go against a lot of what, what I was taught, what I was brought up with in through university. We, we did um, nutrition as part of our degree um, and it was very much the traditional university nutrition program where you know it's you know i guess sort of grain based all that sort of stuff so sort of went against that plus i was still in my sort of mid early mid 20s at that point and um you know you sort of stuck in the ego a little bit so i was was quite heavily involved in um in sports and and weight training and more along sort of the bodybuilding side of things without being a bodybuilder as such but um so on the outside i did look quite healthy i had you know i had i was well, I was lean and muscular and people did look to me for advice and that sort of thing. But on the, but there were certainly some things, like I fell victim to the marketing of the, the bodybuilding stuff. So I'd use all the pre-workouts, um, you know, the special powders and it was sort of hyped, hyped up and marketed to produce all these results and a lot of protein powders as well. But so on the outside, there was this sort of, reflection of someone that looked quite healthy and when you're young I suppose you can get away with a bit but there was mm. definitely some signs that things weren't right and the biggest thing was I had quite a lot of um, acne on my back and and um, you know going through chiropractic school that was quite a you know, I was quite self-conscious of it because your shirt's off most of the time and you're working with your peers and all that sort of stuff so um, that was that was probably the indication of things inside going wrong um, the body detoxifying and so on. So I basically took what this guy had to say and took it on and, and took it all on board and went high and chucked out all the all those protein powders, which are quite expensive, mm. um, and flipped flipped my diet and just followed kind of what he was what he was preaching and what he was promoting, being that sort of Western A Price Foundation approach. And within thirty days, um, like the acne on my back had cleared. And like I said, it was pretty prominent. Like it wasn't, you know, minor stuff. I, it was, it was enough to, to make to make yourself conscious. And um, mm. that was, I guess, the first time. Obviously, the body just cleaning up and clearing out all that that toxicity that it was under. Um, and then from there, uh, just by default, I just came across paleo when I was when I was researching Paul Check and everything this guy had to say. So. And then that was where the sort of paleo journey began and I, I literally downloaded, um, what's his name, Rob Wolf's podcast and just listened to that every day <laughs> for the first 80-odd eight, 80 odd, 80 odd, um, 
episodes until I sort of got sick of hearing about CrossFit all the time. And, um, <laughs> and then just, yeah, just, and so it's where, I guess where my, my journey with paleo began. Wow. Yeah, I can totally relate to that um, podcast binging, you know, when you just totally find out about paleo, you're like, oh my God, I want to know everything about this. And so you're, I, but I was listening, binging on Mark Sisson's podcast. I think I've listened. Oh, yes. Yes. To everything. Yeah. So he was, he was, Rob Wolf and, and Mark Sisson were the, they were the two that I, yeah, religiously followed for, for quite a while and, and did immerse myself in, in yeah. a lot of their, their content and what they had to say. Yeah. So how long ago was that? That must have been, what are we now? I'm 30, 31 now. So it must have been, I don't know, eight or nine, eight, eight, eight or nine years ago maybe. Wow, so that's like pretty, pretty early on, like in terms of, you know, paleo being something in Australia, I would say has only really sort of happened over the last um, three years or so, would you say? Yeah, well, I think obviously Pete Pete's put it on the map, um, but there's probably you know there's before before Pete's um, influence uh, the you know there was a select group of us that were pretty pretty devout followers and um, sort of doing it for a while I guess before before it was really mainstream mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. yeah so let's talk about Pete since you you brought him up um so he he's very yeah. similar to um like you said the guy that you went to see after you'd been on your course of antibiotics and you look at Pete Evans and you think oh he looks so healthy and I always look back at you mm. can be standing in the post office and they'll have some of his old cookbooks and it, and it, it just looks like somebody's switched him on since those days a different person yeah absolutely like he's just got you can see it's not just a healthy glow it's like something like his like his soul is shining through and he's just radiating all of his you know amazingness into the world so how did you get to meet pete and how did you get to end up helping out with the paleo way um well that's a bit i guess a bit of an interesting and Long story. My I went along to well, I used to teach a lot of fermenting workshops. I still teach quite a few, mm-hmm. we, and I was doing them with a um, with with Sarah Hopkins, who I do a lot of lot with in Perth, and we were doing one at Solomon's Cafe, which when it was open, and um, Paul, the um, the owner there, he he gave us a couple of tickets for the Paleo Way tour in Perth that was going to be on the following week. So I went. I went along to that um, and I met actually, then I used to live on Beaufort Street in Perth, so right next to Solomon. So I was on, before the day, I was sort of walking up Beaufort Street, um, I was going for a run or something. I was, as, as I was walking back, I noticed two familiar faces, which is Helen Patteron and, and Shah. And so I stopped and said, oh, g'day, I'm, you guys are going to come to your thing in a couple of hours. And then, as I was walking, and we had a bit of a chit chat, and then I ended up giving them a lift to the um, <laughs> to the event. <laughs> so, and then we then they invited me back to have dinner after the show. And long story short, Helen and I ended up being a couple for a while. Oh, I didn't know that. We, <laughs> Celebrity. Yeah, coffee. so we, we were together for <laughs> we were together for quite a while doing long distance, um, and. Yeah, she's an an amazing amazing person, and um, I've 
the utmost respect for her as, as a human and, um, you know, just, she's an incredible person. I guess a bit unfortunate with distance and stuff like that and yeah. it didn't quite work out. But, yeah, but that's how – and then that's how I, I guess I came in contact with Pete was through, was through Helen and um, I did – I helped out a little bit with the content writing for a while, some of the blog posts um, and the doing the fermenting component at some of the um, – some of the, the live shows. That is so cool. That's pretty much it. Yeah, very, yeah. very and, cool. Yeah, I guess you're, you're right. Pete, Pete is one of those ones I'd put up there as, you know, one of the healthiest people I'd say I've seen in real life. And, and I do have an enormous amount of respect for what he's done um, for society as much as he's obviously he cops a lot of criticism. I think he's um, for someone who's who takes so much, I think it's just pretty incredible that he's able to keep him keep that composure and, and keep pushing on and, you know, just growing stronger and stronger. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think he does a lot of work, doesn't he, on um, being the one who's got to take all of because, you know, he really does get the most flack, even though there are so many people um, out there spreading, mm. spreading the same message, but he, it's almost like he takes the whole cop for the whole team. So, Thank you, Pete, for t- yeah. <laughs> taking yeah. all the criticism. And, and you know, like I really, fi- I really feel that his job is just, just getting out into, you know, because we, we think everyone knows about this way of living, but um, like they don't. We just live in this little bubble where everybody, you know, of, you know like attracts like and, you know, we think that everybody, sh- everybody knows this by now. Everyone knows that gut health is important, but they don't. And that's why I think it's so cool that Pete gets into, you know, the, the common lounge room and appeals to normal people like you and I who never questioned. That, you know, I, I trained as a, in the fitness industry in the UK as well and, and got taught the same low-fat, healthy, whole-grain um, message, which I then went on to educate other people in and you know it's absolutely like you say reverse of what we do now so it's amazing it's amazing so you mentioned that you wouldn't you don't really call it paleo now and and you've sort of got your own version of it with your experimenting with with legumes and gut health can you tell us a bit more about that jeremy yeah well i guess um the Working, I guess, clinically with the whole gut gut health and doing stool samples and looking at um, you know working working with people that sort of rebuilding their their microbiota and um, microbiome, it's kind of just led me down that path of just researching you know as much of the content that's out there and the, the peer reviewed liter- literature that's coming out, which is I must say is overwhelming the the, the rapid rate that papers are coming out i i i don't i can't even keep up with it anymore and you know i'm i'm sort of the type of person that do, that you know spends a lot of time reading the latest research papers as opposed to books that are by the time are published are pretty well outdated mm. um so yeah just just playing around a little bit more with the fibers evidence is pretty inclusive the importance of um of fiber and I guess you could argue that you can get enough fibre by just following paleo. There's enough foods in there. But I, I, I guess it's just one of those things where just I'm just playing around with it a little bit more and just doing a little bit of self-experimenting and just seeing where, that, where that's going. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's the, fi- the whole fibre thing is really interesting. And, I mean, if you, 
it, it's it, the the research is pretty conclusive from from you know when you're looking at the gut side of it, it's it is quite critically important when you look at um, the importance that fibre plays. So, for instance, when you when we ingest fibre, particularly insoluble fibre, by the time it reaches the large intestine where all those microbes live or where they're supposed to live, if you've got the right bacteria in there, so for instance, a lot of bacteroides, they digest and metabolise that insoluble fibre and in the process, they um, produce volatile fatty acids, um, butyrate, propionate and acetate, particularly butyrate. That's quite, um, that's where the magic is really because that, that has um, immune modulating effects in the gut, inflammation control, works on the, the interleukin pathways and cytokines and things like that. Um, it also heals the, the, the colon cells that are coming through um, and provides a fuel source for other beneficial microbes. So you're kind of getting like the byproduct of this fermenting process of the fiber is producing this, this amazing nutrient butyrate. But the, the trick is if you don't have those bacteroides in the gut in, in, in a good quantity, you're not going to reap those benefits because you're not going to digest and metabolize that fiber. Um, and those are typically the patients that we see with, you know, quite bad constipation, um, mm. a lot of gas and bloating because basically what's happening is when they do have the, those fibrous foods, they essentially the fiber's not getting broken down because they don't have the bacteria and then it's just creating this excess gas because it's got to... Um, ferment on its own and, and basically rot um, yeah. and producing this excess gas and, and these problems. So it's kind of like the, the bit of the double-edged sword. Like it's, whilst fibre's great, um, you kind of, you need to have your gut in order for, for it to all be working well. And to be honest, the, the amount of people that come back when we do stool testing with, with poor levels of these, these important microbes, those bacteroides, is, is quite common. Now, don't forget, I guess I'm seeing a subset of the population which are generally more symptomatic anyway, so it's not mm. a true reflection of a random sample of the of the population, but that's kind of key in that if the if a lot of the symptomatic, symptomatic people are coming in to see us health professionals and they're coming back with these low levels of these bacteroides, and in some cases, um, you know, like really, really low, um, that's quite a problem. So, yeah, it's a bit of a tangent, probably ran off. No, no, like no, it was, it was no, no, it was fascinating. You did lose me slightly with some of the scientific stuff, but I, and what I was trying to get a picture of would be if we didn't have enough of this butyrate stuff, then what would it look like? And but then you you filled us in. You told us about the constipation and the bloating and the gas. So I don't know. It's hard yeah. to say because everyone's different, and it and and you're experimenting on yourself. But for the general public, if they wanted to, um, is there any way that you can improve the right kind of gut bacteria that you need in order to process those yeah what would you do absolutely the and the interesting thing is when it comes to these bacteroides um organisms they you know there's no magic pill for them you know there's no there's no lactobacillus or bifidobacterium where, where you can supplement with even though they don't really latch onto the colon and 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 proliferate like a lot of people think they're more transitory and have therapeutic interventions but the bacteroides there's there's like the, the point is there's no pill for those so it's dietary interventions that you have to manipulate to get those back in in good order and the the funny thing is and this is why i think gaps people do really well initially is bacteroides thrive on polymorphin factor nine or hemin which is basically blood so which is in high concentrations in bone broth and mm. um 
and vitamin and vitamin K too, which is high in fermented foods. So take some like a, a guts program, which is you know kind of broths and, and ferments, sort of the recipe for rebuilding these bacteroides. Um, so there, that's the simplest simplest way of sort of building them back up. So basically, at yeah, bone broth. So if someone comes back from us with a stool sample with those low levels, we'll typically put them on about three weeks of quite high dosages of bone broth, mm-hmm. um, minimising depending on the this. The particular subspecies of um, of bacteroides that they've got, if they're the one, if they don't have enough of the cellulolytic, which is the ones that we're after, they and we then we would have them abstain from insoluble fibre for three weeks, and then the high bone broth, some fermented foods, um, if indicated, and then we'd slowly reintroduce some of those insoluble fibres bit by bit, and that seems to work pretty good and does the trick most of the time. Those ones that are more stubborn, in my experience, are the ones that tend to um, tend to have SIBO as well or CFO, so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or fungal overgrowth, in which case then that needs to be addressed. And then once that's addressed and the constipation issues and um, bloating t- tends to be pretty well resolved. Amazing. That's amazing. So if, to, do, to get those levels back up, would you recommend that you had to do one of those um, like a GAPS or a gut healing protocol where it's quite on isn't it it's like strip everything back just have broth just have ferments or could you do it on a could mm. you eat a usual um primal plants and animals kind of uh, diet and put in you know large quantities of bone broth and ferments and mm. the same results or do you really need to peel it right back in your opinion in my opinion and in my clinical experience now i've done hundreds of these tests and programs with people i haven't had a case yet that have gone have been to the point where um, I would say they've I've had to refer them to a gaps practitioner to do to strip everything right right back. Um, is that say so that gaps isn't worthwhile? Maybe it is, but I, I've just found that you know though I, I try I I the last thing I want to do is make things overwhelming and overly restrictive for people. That's where I find where most people break down and mm. and um, you know it's hard enough telling someone you know no gluten right like yeah people literally will cry they'll cry mm. in your office when at the, at the thought of not being able to have gluten so have them strip right back to that it's a whole other world but the point is i haven't i haven't found that necessary to go quite to those lengths now we have stripped people's diets back quite significantly um but just not i haven't found you know following this kind of approach that with this stool testing that we've had to go you know to I would, what I would, I guess, say extreme lengths. Um, I've got one challenging one at the moment who's, um, she's definitely pretty, pretty tricky. Um, it's still fairly early days though, but um, yeah, she, she, maybe she's the sort of candidate that, that might have to go down that path. Well, I must say, Jeremy, that is very reassuring because I think we all at some point got, um, you know, a good, uh, protocol book or you know we've heard about gaps and we've we've also thought mm, maybe that's something that I should do and, and I think that initially when we all start off we have some kind of a reset of sorts don't we like in terms of it being a massive change from how we used to eat um, and we might have that period of time where we perhaps you know refrain from having coffee or chocolate or wine but like you say in the long term just giving up things like gluten um for forever is, mm. is big enough yeah, it's, it's got to be doable and sustainable doesn't it you can't tell somebody to do something that 
is just impractical. I mean, being paleo, even though it's, you know, you, when you, even though you've done it for a few years and you pretty much know how to navigate your way out and about, it's still really hard to fit in in a normal, you know, buffet at a hotel, for example. There's not a lot you can choose from, is there? No, exactly. And there's, there's obviously lots of hidden, um, hidden foods and, you know, trans fatty acids. If you're eating out, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Natasha Campbell McBride and I did listen to her talk at the, um, the Mind Foundation and for those who don't know, Natasha's the, the founder of GAPS. Um, yeah. And, like, I, yeah, I take my hat off to her. I think she's an amazing woman and she's, she's certainly done some incredible things when you look at the, the testimonials and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm trying to think where I was going to go with that one. Um, I think you were saying, you were saying that, you know, like, yes, she, you know, Natasha does amazing stuff and, and even, you know, Joe Whitten and her GAPS um, healing program. I think it's, it, it can be really relevant for some people, but it, I, don't think mm. it needs, I don't think it needs to daunt the whole population and put them off. You know, like, if you, like what you're saying is some people don't need to completely peel back to just a, a broth fast and, yeah. you know, ferments and... Yeah. You can actually really reclaim your health just by getting back to plant yeah. I do. I, I remember. I remember now why I brought her up. She, she said something <laughs> that I, I that that stuck with me. It was you, you cannot trust anyone else's cooking. So in other words, you can't. Yeah. You know, if you're going to go out and eat and eat, you, you know, you, you're going to be subject to to hidden stuff, and that happens. Like, so you know, we live in the real world, but um, but yeah, just you know, you did make some important points there, and I do, you know, for sure that you know, you know, with autism and all that sort of stuff, you know, maybe that's that's where it sort of fits in more. And you know, I've, I've, some, we have some, you know, some autistic people on on records, and um, you know, that we haven't gone, still haven't gone to that path. But you know, yeah, you're right. I think it's very, um, it's you know, individualized as to where where people need to go. Mm, interesting. So going back to what you just said there about um, you were living in the real world. How do you go? How do you go when you when you eat out? I, do you kind of just let it slide on the odd occasion, or are you quite strict? Um, I would say these days I'm definitely a lot more liberal, and um, you know I'm trying to uh, trying to I don't know not be so no so picky and fussy with it and. and <laughs> drive myself into an eating disorder. So yeah. I went, when I went through Paul Check's, Paul Check's HLC program, obviously lifestyle coaching program, um, I went through, I guess, a phase in my life where I, I was very isolated. Like, I, you know, I, would, I went down the full organic path. I wouldn't touch anything I was, that wasn't organic and mm. really, which made, you know, it made life a bit difficult and, you know, you isolate yourself from friends and family and, um, and I don't think I came out any better on the other end health-wise. Like, sure, I cleaned up and, um, and, it, and it improved, you know, a lot of detoxification and put the body on the right track. But, you know, mentally and emotionally, that if it's, getting, if it's you know, isolating you from family and friends and, you know, you can't go out and have, you know, have a bit of a time or have a red wine here and there, then, you know, and then your mental, mental health starts getting, um, you know, sort of compromised then, then that's where I see it as a problem because, you know, we've all heard, I guess, the gut-brain axis now and, you know, it's bi-directional. It's, the gut influences the, the, the brain. The brain influences the gut. It's not a one-way street. So, you know, if, you got, if, you, if your mind's all over the place and, you, and your mental stability is not there, then, 
you are going to in turn affect your gut. You know, we all, we, the studies are pretty conclusive that cortisol increases permeability in the gut and causes that sort of leaky gut environment. So um, my stance these days, I guess, is more um, a little less strict on myself. Mm. Um, but, you know, but I guess by most people's standards, it probably is still pretty strict. Um, but to me, it doesn't feel as, it definitely doesn't feel as strict. I will still go out and I will eat. I won't, you know, I won't eat gluten and I won't, you know, I'll be, I'll be very mindful of, you know, the gluten-free alternatives as well because a lot of that's still rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if I'm, if I'm traveling, I've always done my, I'll always do my research beforehand. I pretty much, before I'm getting off the plane, I pretty much know where I'm going to be eating and where I'm going to be going and that sort of thing. And it does, that still does mean a lot to me. Um, but I think it's, I, I personally feel a lot, uh, a lot easier on it than how I used to be. Yeah, and you've made it more doable and sustainable, haven't you, by not not necessarily relaxing, but, you know, just finding a way that you can keep living like that without it being isolating. And, yeah, there's, there's, it's got to be all of the different components, which leads me nicely into my next question, because when people talk about, you know, a primal way of living or a paleo um, way of living, most people just think about the diet and the food, whereas... You know, I know you're mm. more of a holistic lifestyle. You, it, it's all encompassing in everything. So um, I'd love to find out a little bit more about uh, you and how you, let's, let's, for example, start with movement. How do you move your body? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, a great, um, that's a great question and, and a really good, um, it's, it's an incredibly important topic to bring up. And that's, I think, you know, a whole podcast in itself. Mm. Um, Paul Tech's pretty big on the body's, you know, a system of biologically os- biological oscillators. So, you know, everything's sort of in rhythm and, you know, to the degree that you're not moving your body and you're not pumping, you know, lymphatic, lymphatic flow and, you know, just, you know, blood flow and, and um, getting your, and, and, you know, moving your body through space and, you know, taking it through full squats and stuff like that and, and massaging your viscera and your organs and all that, all that kind of, um, those sort of things. And you look at the you know the incidence of how much constipation and and you know gut related issues that we have. It's obviously quite high. And, and but how many people are putting them through themselves through regular movement that the body is designed for? So my evolution with movement went from basically Paul Check's world, um, and now in, in the last probably three or four years, um, more a lot more down and focused in um, with a guy called Ido Portel. Mm-hmm. And I just think. His line of work is just, he's nailed it, like in terms of movement. He's, he, he, if I highly encourage people to, to look him up and, um, How you get the opportunity to do some of his, it's Edo, I-D-O, yeah. Portel, P-O-R, P-O-R-T-A-L. Um, he's got a huge <laughs> following. He, he trains, trains Conor McGregor and all that sort of stuff in the UFC and, but he's, his philosophy around movement and his, what he's done with movement is, is I, I just think it's just, just spot on. Um, so he's, he actually has a 30-day squat challenge and I think that it's on YouTube. If you just put Edo Portal squat challenge or squat routine, um, it's like 30 days of doing a specific squat, deep working your way into the deep squat um, pattern. Um, I think, you know, that, that in itself is, is enough to start, you know, start breaking through some adhesions in particular blockages and and you know simply getting into a deep squat will massage the colon to some degree and 
you know, my line of work is, you know, being a manual therapist as well. You know, I do, and with looking at the gut world, we do do a lot of visceral manipulation and looking at adhesions and all that sort of stuff. And um, I think a lot of people would, would truly benefit from just getting their body through a good squat and, and a deep squat and just getting to massage the organs a little bit. Plus, then you've got the whole breathing realm with, you know, some of the yogic breathing patterns and um, that in turn also massages the organs. I've got a, a good friend of mine, Margaret, she's sort of teaching me some of that now. She's she's quite high up in the in Edo's movement world and she's a she's a chiro as well and mm. has a yoga background too. So she's kind of got the some of that breathing stuff down pat too. So it's just sort of, you, you know, going back to what you said, you know, going holistically, it's just sort of looking at all those different components and, it's, you know, it's impossible to be 100% truly holistic and look at every single aspect. But to me, it's just I'm more focused in trying to bring as many aspects as that together. So the manual therapy, you know, the movement with, um, with you know, the importance that plays, in particular with gut health and, you know, the breathing and, and so on. So that's just that's absolutely um, refreshing and really fascinating in that when most people talk about movement or exercise, the main focus is to lose weight and turn up. And I'm, I'm saying that, you know, with air quotes, because that's like so 80, yeah. but that's um, still the, the mentality. And as we know, exercise or movement is amazing for everything except weight loss, you know, and, and I'm just finding it so fascinating mm. that what you've talked about there yeah. is, yeah, um, you, not- you can't out train a bad diet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it uh, ha- about how all of the different systems of the body and and how really these days, you know, we we only we're in sort of like three positions: sitting down, standing up, or or lying down. You know, whereas our body and our our genes expect us to be com- you know squatting completely to eliminate and sitting you know most of us can't sit um down on the floor without resting on a chair because we just don't use those muscles in our body we would you know because of the the way that have you have you heard of katie bowman and her movie yeah yeah Yeah. when you said you when you just before you said about ido portal i thought you were going to say katie bowman because she Mm. says the same kind of thing doesn't she about how our body yeah i think she's she's done it she's done a reasonable job i think with um you know, with promoting a lot of this stuff. Um, I, I am definitely of the opinion that Edo's taking it to a whole new world and um, in a sort of, she, yeah, I think he's, I think anyone who, who looks up Edo and starts looking at some of his material will, will pretty well soon say that he's, uh, um, he's, he's spent his life, you know, learning from, you know, all the best around the world and, researching and it's all he does is you know and he says in his in some, i remember him saying in some of his conferences that his, his seminars um that you know he's sacrificed a lot you know he doesn't have doesn't have a you know wife and kids and family that sort of thing like he's you know put his life life into researching this movement and human complexity of movement and um it's reflective in in the content that he teaches it's fascinating. I'm, like I've never heard of him, so thanks for that. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go and look him up. So, in terms of like, uh, does does he do mm. like? Have you can you describe it to us how it would look in terms of how we would move our bodies? Like you've mentioned squats, but what what other things yeah. does he offer? I think the the two the two big things that he's he does he doesn't have a lot of material that's just openly freely available. Um, 
he literally travels around the world and draws big crowds and teaches and you know doesn't have course manuals and things like that it's literally an immersion of moving your body um which is very different to a lot of curriculums these days like a lot of you know you go to courses you get your manual you get your curriculum package you you know you, you sort of you get a lot of that stuff this is not like that it's a it's a completely different paradigm um and I was very skeptical when the very first time I looked at it. And I think you know, the tendency is you, you look at some of the YouTube videos and you think, oh, this guy's a nut job and, you know, <laughs> this stuff's crazy and, and some of the stuff he's doing. But, and that's, what I, that's how I looked at it when I first came across him. But then when I took his courses and re, I, I, I realized that, no, this is how the body's actually supposed to move. Um, and the way he moves his body through space and, articulates his way around is 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 just yeah it's a, it's a joy to watch you can it's one thing on youtube but when you're doing his courses and you see some of these movements in in real life and and the other lady who teaches with him odelia the way they move their body and just seeing that in in real life is just to me and i think a lot of people who go to these courses is just like you just it's just jaw dropping it's just like i want to move my body like that and be that free and mobile and pain free mm. um but we're just you you sort of said it perfectly before. You know, we sit, we stand, we lie. There's not too much in between. When we sit, we don't even sit properly. We sit in these fabricated chairs, so it's a it's a half sit at best. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's all. It, so I think in answering your question, you'll probably find if you start looking at some of these YouTube videos, you might think, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. It looks pretty dangerous and stuff like that. But <laughs> um, if you enter into that program and start. You know, going through the progressions of his courses and things like that, um, your body will get there. And it's, it, his actual training program, so you can sign up for online coaching and actually have programs put together where you film videos and submit them and they give you feedback and they put together a program. You soon see when you start doing online coaching with, with them, with that group of people, that it's a very systemized approach um, and you go through the foundations and the, the building backbones and all that sort of stuff to get to that. And you know some of that stuff's a bit boring at the start when you're when you're training you're, you're sort of undoing a lot of those old patterns and mm. um, and sort of and sort of rehabbing rehabbing the the body for the start before you can you know, jump on the rings and do the gymnastics and and all that kind of kind of work. But yeah, that's sort of that's probably we've probably covered a fair bit of stuff there and gone off on a bit of a tangent and <laughs> done a bit of a plug for, e- for Edo, but yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah. Are, are you an yeah. affiliate for Edo by any chance? No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, it's no, good. Well, the thing is with, with, with Edo is I don't think you'd, he would ever sign sign away to any sort of affiliate thing. He's, uh, <laughs> um, he's, he's very much to himself and he's he knows his value. He's not cheap. Um, people pay a lot of money to, to do his stuff, but, um, yeah, he's there's no... There's none of that sort of stuff with Edo, I can tell you now. It's funny. <laughs> Shame, because you did a very good job. You did a very good job. So, so we've talked about movement. We've talked heaps about food, gut health. What about the other aspects of life? Um, let's talk about mindset, lifestyle, spirituality. What does that look like in your life? Yeah, and that, that, again, you, you, you're pretty much just covering, you're covering all, the, all the important things. Uh, like the pillars of health, I suppose. Um, well, just just looking at, I guess, going back to kind of what we've touched on, you know, the, the, the gut-brain axis. And, you know, if, if you're not working on your mental health, um, then your gut's going to be off and then that's sort of going to be a cascade of events and that's going to, you know, in turn then affect the brain again and ends up being this sort of vicious cycle. So, you know, I think we, it's, it's 
I can't really give it justice, I think, the, the importance of where all that fits in. But um, if, and if you're not happy with your life, um, things need to be reevaluated. And whatever it takes to, 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 um, to get that on track, whether, you know, to take Paul Check's HLC program, that's kind of a, a bit of a spirituality, spirituality mind journey or you know, something like a Hoffman process over in Byron Bay or any, I mean, there's a million things. Katie Bowman's work. Um, is it Katie Bowman? No, Katie, Byron Katie. Um, yes. Her work is, I mean, there's so much, so much stuff, but the important the thing is that you've got to find, I think people will, will need to find what's going to work for them. Yeah. Um, and, and break through that. Um, um, otherwise, they're just going to be living in a life of, of um, being stuck, you know, like we've, like personally, I, I, you know, I got a lot out of Paul Check's HLC program. He really sort of broke shackles through a lot of my pre-programmed, um, you know, first seven years of life upbringing and some of the conditioning and, pattern and, and parental influences and things like that. But he sort of started that process for me. I've seen, there's a, we have a local guy around our way, um, Nindajup, who's a, you know, he's kind of like a healer, I suppose, some sort of healer and does these things called rebirthings and again, like just doing the, the, a session, a few sessions with him where, you know, you've, you go, you base, you've got to be prepared to go, you know, to look deep and go into your past and some of the uncomfortable things and when you break through a lot of that, that's when, you know, that's when you start heading, you can free yourself, I suppose, but you know the simple, like the simple stuff, I suppose. You know, without if you, if that's not where you're prepared to go and what, you, what you're prepared to do, but then you know, I guess you know a lot of things we teach with our clients here in clinic is um, some of the simple things is just simply um, you know download a few meditation apps and start scheduling that into your day. You know, if it's ten minutes at the start, ten minutes at the end of the day, most people find once they start, and ten minutes actually turns into twenty minutes, and <laughs> they fall in love with it, and they realise that shit i need this stuff um you know that's that's a starting point you know maybe some people need to do some yoga or something whatever whatever's going to resonate with them but some form of calming the mind stimulating because we're so subject to the sympathetic nervous system like like today's society you know we're all sort of wound up and everything's sort of fast paced and and so on and so we're so stimulated that we need to kick in that parasympathetic nervous system you know it's the rest and digest and um, and you know where the res- restorative processes go on in the body, physiological restorative processes, and so on, and and sleep as well. Like you know, how many people you know have practiced proper sleep hygiene? Most people are up on you know their TVs or their laptops, or you know their blue emitting light devices at night, and you know end up getting to bed late and stimulated. Their cortisol and melatonin rhythms are all off. Um, not getting enough daylight during the day. Um, so there's just there's so many things um, and aspects to it, but it's yeah you can't you, you can't ignore and it's probably sometimes the, the hardest one right the mental mental side of things and you know facing your fears and mm. and um, some of your your, your you know your, your old blockages and patterns that you've that you've you've developed and built up over time. I can't urge enough like how you know find something that works if if you feel like you, you know there's some stuff in there that needs to be broken through. Yeah. ask around you know that sort of thing you know, mm-hmm. I, I openly share with my with my community around here who who i see and who's helped me and um but yeah but the simple things yeah the meditation apps something like that some yoga some tai chi qigong anything that you know 
sort of calms the mind and and um, and, and stimulates that parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could give three, I'll say this slowly to give you time to think of the three things because I know you have got so many takeaways that people could get on, during this interview. But if you could give three top tips or top takeaways for people listening to this podcast today that they could think, right, wow, you've talked about so much. I'm, I'm going to go and Google that squat dude and I'm going to, you know, make sure that I... <laughs> And make sure that I get, you know, my night shift thing happening on my iPhone so I'm not looking at the blue light. I'm going to make sure I get out in nature more and get to sleep on time and, you know, all of those things. What would the top three takeaways be? Okay, so I would say I'll lump food and water into one. Um, mm-hmm. So just simple, good quality, whole food eating, you know, whether that's paleo or whether you, you know, deviate a little bit from there. Um, happy to be a little little lapse on it, but you know, throwing away the packaged stuff, um, just simple whole food. Learning how to cook um, and don't being stop being lazy and doing some meal prep and learning that stuff um, is important. So that's like I lump that into one, and with and with water as well because it's critical. So um, the, I I recommend the Zazen water filter um, to my clients, and we have a good discount with those guys. I don't know if you want to chuck it in yet in your show notes or however it works. But if they put in HL water into the mm-hmm. discount code, they do get 15% off. That's a good like sort of portable sort of, you know, sort of basic home water filtration device. And they do the shower filters as well. Um, because, you know, when you think about it, we put water on our, on our bodies a lot um, and we put it inside us a lot. And there's good, good evidence and research to show that when you heat water up, like in the shower and, um, that some of those, like the chlorine and that um, changes chemical structure and the vapours are inhaled and go through the, the lungs straight into the bloodstream, bypassing detoxification are quite quite damaging on the body. So we sort of get caught up in the drinking side of it and ignore what we're putting on our bodies, which I guess goes to another topic with you know, cosmetics and personal care products and what we're putting on ourselves, which we probably should look at. So I've covered mm-hmm. probably about 10 or 15 things already there and I've, <laughs> I guess I've... Sneakily lump them into into one into one uh, one so tip. Sneaky, so um, sneaky. Uh, yeah. So number two would be um, let's just stick with what we what we've been sort of rolling with in, in this movement. Like just yeah. um, just move your body, or you know, as Katie Bowman says, move your DNA. Mm. Um, and you know, whether I guess if it's a challenge for you, then you just have to find some sort of movement that. I guess that you love um, if that's getting out with the kids playing tennis or something, find something and just, and just do it and try and make it, you know, somewhat routine because the body craves and needs movement. And there's sort of Edo's, I remember Edo saying once is if you, um, you know, cartilages crave pressure and, you know, mm. and you're getting to that deep, that deep squat pattern. And I think I, I still want to have a look at some of the research on it, but if you look at the knee, for instance, and osteoarthritis of the patella, it seems to be, most uh, most wear and tear happens at the inferior inferior pole of the patella, um, which if you look at that from a uh, mechanical perspective, the only time that's in contact with any sort of pressure is at the inferior aspect of the squat. So then the, the theory then is if you think about it, that's if that's the area that's not getting much cartilaginous contact um, because people aren't going into the deep squat, that's the and that's the area that's getting osteoarthritis or you know, degenerative arthritis, then 
the, then that's the sort of theory makes sense that you know it actually that the, that the joints require pressure and require um, going through that full range of movement. And that's fascinating, isn't um, it? Because when you think about all of yeah. the years that we spent in the gym and on those machines that only you know move the the, the body through a certain range of motion, because anything more than that's going to stress the knee joints and that kind of thing. And it's actually turned out to be a complete crock of BS, which is it's quite exciting, yeah. isn't it? Because it's just like, oh, we can do a real, we can squat all the way down to the floor and actually that's going to be good for us. It's fascinating. Yeah. And, and you know what, you know, and the tendency is, you know, maybe we'll try go that too early, too soon and we will, you know, yeah. stuff ourselves up a little bit and cause yeah. some problems. So, you know, there's a caveat that goes with that. But, yeah. um, you know, the thing is, these are the people that then write the books, you know, and, you know, we, we should be, you know, not squatting below parallel and that because they probably, you know, fuck their bodies up at some point. So <laughs> make it their life mission to, um, to you know, to then write about it and so on and become researchers and, you know, publish these skewed data and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I think, yeah, to, so the second point is movement. Like just, you know, do some, some, quality, some quality exercise and take your body through its natural rhythms that it's supposed to and, um, you know, that, that in itself is, is incredibly stimulating to the brain. Like the brain requires three things to survive. We all sort of know glucose and oxygen, but the other one's stimulation. So I think that's why I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that that's why we have rapid eye movement and why we sort of have these movements through night is because it's the body still getting some degree of stimulation to the brain. Wow. Um, so, mm. you know, it's, it's nutrition for the brain too is movement. So that's the second. The third... Um, would be 50, really just, <laughs> yeah the third would have to be we just have to stick with it with that theme and then what we spoke about last was the was the mind so you know, mm. you know as paul check says quit the, the stinking thinking and that's you know, a, a gross simplification but um mm. you know just finding out researching at different aspects that you know look at addressing um you know those you know the mind side of things and the brain and and mental health yeah, love it. And and we talked earlier about, um, you know, facing fears and busting through them. And I think that when people think of the fears that they've got, they think that they're on their own. But, um, you know, what's personal is universal. And everybody has got shit that's holding them back and shit that's, you know, keeping them um, a dulled down version of themselves. So it's almost when, when you realize that you go, oh, yeah, right. Okay. Well, if everyone else is going through the same thing, you know, maybe I could be an inspiration to other people to go to that next level, to take that big leap, to, to up level. And, I, and now I think it, it's all just a bit of a, a laugh, really, and a bit of a game. And I know you talked about it, and it's a bit uncomfortable facing those fears that you've got. And it usually is pretty much around the same thing like, who am I to do this? What will people think of me? No one's going to love me. Everyone's going to hate me. That just the usual, you know, human mm. being thoughts. But when you actually do bust through, and it's a bit like um, it's a bit like a video game. You know, like it takes you ages to complete level eight, and then when you've completed level eight, it's and yeah. like next reality <laughs> of of life. And it really is just a game, and and it's fun. When you when you play in the game, yeah. if you stay small and you stay dulled down. It's 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 quite limiting, yeah. and 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 those and facing the fear and busting through on the other side is heaps more fun than just staying in that cold, dark, scary place twenty four seven because that's yeah. not 
not a nice place to be, but yet it all feeds into everything else. Like you can't go and face your fears if you've got SIBO because you, you feel so sick and tired and you know what I mean? So it all really, yeah, exactly. it's, almost, it's almost like that you put them in the order as well of, of what needs to be addressed first. And food really does, that food seems to be the, the biggest hack that you can do to, to change your life. And then, yeah. then you can start to evolve and, and look at it as a marathon, hey, as opposed to just, a, right, I'm going to do all this in the next six weeks. And Absolutely. Yeah, be, if we had a fourth tip, it would be, be wary of the, the uh, hard and fast, you know, challenges and detox programs and mm. resets that sort of thing like if that's what you're what you're after and that's your type of personality then you know sure that's going to do something for a little bit but it's not going to give you lasting long-term results i don't think you, know, no. you got to be prepared to be being for the long haul yeah and i think that some of those challenges um can be really good like a really good introduction and a good kind of um, template as to how to you know to, to change those habits um, but yeah you've got to be looking at it for that you know sustainable there's no point in just doing that for three weeks and then going back to you know health habits yeah and and pints of beer it's not going to work so yeah. <laughs> it won't work so all right so two final questions okay so the penultimate question is do you have a morning routine jeremy and if you do, what does it look like? A morning routine. You know, I'd love to say I've got like this secret formula <laughs> that um, I follow that's, you know, you can sign up to my programs and I'll share with you my secrets. But <laughs> no, I don't really have any of that. Um, you just these days, like I'm, I'm a, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm usually up pretty, early, pretty, up pretty early. Um, I like to get up sort of, sort of 5.30, 5.30ish um, and, yeah, I usually I try the it's my routines that change the fair bit, I suppose. These days it's more that I'm very productive at the at the early parts of the day. Um so I sort of work on a lot of sort of a lot of business stuff um for that first sort of hour and it's quite productive and you know, one hour that I that I do first thing kinda is probably equivalent to two or three that I'd do if I did it throughout the day. So I'd sort of schedule that in and doing um a lot of patient programs and and things like that as well. But I like coffee as well. Like I love the routine, the ritual. I have a really good sort of espresso coffee machine at home and love the mm-hmm. whole process of getting the beans right and and uh, getting the grind and the time and all that sort of thing. I suppose that's maybe my genes a bit being Italian. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I guess, yeah, coffee's probably the routine and it's not something I'd advocate because coffee's probably not ideal first thing in the morning. You're probably way better off waiting until about 11. But that works for me and um, and I sort of love that. You do have a morning routine then? Yeah, I did a, <laughs> a lot coffee. I get up and have coffee like coffee. everyone else. I'm living, I'm, I'm living, I'm living in denial. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it and, I, and it's refreshing as well because I, I love my coffee too. I like to have a – I've got a nice coffee machine too and I like to have a nice bulletproof coffee. That's like a ritual thing first thing on the morning and, and yeah. I really wanted to try intermittent fasting and I thought I'll do this, the eating window thing, but I really had major um, a fear of missing out around breakfast and mm. I realised I actually <laughs> wasn't missing the food. I was just missing the coffee. So if I could just have the coffee, then I didn't have to have the food and that's working out really well for me, <laughs> which, is, yeah. no, which, cool. is great, which is great. So the final question is you are so 
interesting and inspiring and people are going to want to know how can they work with you? Yeah, I guess I do, I do have a clinical practice. So we have patients that come in, obviously, um, into the clinic. Where we do the manual therapy side of things and, and gut health and, and so on. But I do also do have a, do um, see patients via correspondence. So we do, you know, because it's quite easy to run a stool test on someone, get them to organise that results get sent to us and then we start working on the pro program to start um, getting that back into balance so we have quite a quite a few patients now that, that go down that path um and so yeah so those guys just contact via via email which is all on my social media pages so um facebook instagram website which is all just holistic lifestyle too easy and whereabouts is your physical location the clinic's in Bunbury, so it's about, it's, which is about, what, about two hours south of Perth. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, yeah. just good, good to know in case some of our Perth listeners were thinking that you were, you were city-based. So that's good. We, well, we, we do have a lot of patients that do travel down from Perth, actually. Mm. Sounds um, like it would be worth it. Yeah, it's a good little drive. And get, get, the day, have the, get the day out. I actually have a, we do have a really interesting case. She's someone probably gone way over time here, but she actually underwent um, fecal microbial transplant. So she did the whole oh, um, wow. poo transplant thing and, <laughs> and so on. And it basically spent a lot of money and basically didn't get her any anywhere. And I'm not saying that these aren't good. I think, you know, they're definitely warranted and I think it's probably, you know, where things are going in the future with gut health. Um, but in this example, it didn't work and we've had her on a program now for I think eight or nine months and she's, come leaps and bounds and so just sort of highlights you know sometimes it's probably worthwhile working your way up the conservative ladder you know maybe you don't jump to the it's kind of like you know surgery right if you got a you know a dicky shoulder you know do you go straight to surgery or do you start you know some physio or chiro or massage or some exercise and you know work your way up and if it's not working then go to the surgery same sort of thing with the gut the gut principles i think like work your way up conservatively if you know things aren't working then maybe it's time to go more more invasive and intrusive, literally. Yeah, a little bit more high-call. Because they do tend to usually include a poo transplant on those gut health shows, don't they, um, just for the... They do, and that's, that's what I get in, in, clin- <laughs> in clinic on a daily basis. Like, I get someone saying, oh, did you see that gut show last night? Yeah. And, you know, they're doing these fecal transplants. I'm like, yeah, I've sort of yeah, known about this yeah. for quite a few years. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for all of the info. I would love to get the discount code for the EHL water systems and shower, um, sure, shower filters as well, because I know there'll be a lot of people that will be interested in that. And we'll put all of the links to your social media in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for um, taking time to be on the show today, Jeremy. It's been awesome having you on the show. No worries. Thanks, Helen. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.